As we gather today, the church fathers for many years have looked at today's first reading and seen in this first reading a foreshadowing. And there is a reason why they pair this, even though it's so different than the story of the Transfiguration that we hear today in today's Gospel. Actually, we hear uh, one of the versions of the Transfiguration every second uh, Sunday of Lent, uh, every year. But the Church Fathers, in reflecting, see this is a foreshadowing of Christ. Abraham is told by God, I'm going to test you. This is after, of course, uh, God had promised that he was going to raise up a great nation uh, to Abraham, not through Ishmael, the son of Hagar, the slave woman, but rather through Sarah, the freed woman, as uh, the book of Hebrews would point out, or the uh, book of Galatians actually uh, would point out as well. Abraham was told that, go sacrifice your son. And the book of Hebrews points out, or the letter to the Hebrews, I should correct myself, uh, points out that Abraham reasoned that God, if God had made a promise, he's going to keep this. And so somehow that God was going to raise up his son, perhaps. So Abraham, with faith, could go to Mount Moriah. And I, I have to admit, I'm, in my own prayer, I find uh, uh, Isaac not knowing, not fully understanding what God, what God was asking of Abraham, what Abraham was asking of him. He simply is carrying the wood. At one point he says, Dad, paraphrased, I see the wood, I see the fire, I see the knife. Where's the sacrifice? And a moment of terror must, might have crept into his soul as he realized he's it. When they get there all the time, Abraham had said, God will provide. And as Abraham tied Isaac and put him on that pile of wood on the altar, not only to be um, killed through the knife, but burned as a holocaust, there must have been more terror that, again, Isaac not fully knowing, not fully understanding, Abraham even not fully understanding, what is God doing here, asking me to sacrifice my son? What is God doing? He's already made a promise that I'm going to be the father of a great nation. How can it be a father of a great nation now that my son is, is going to die? We've waited all our lives, and we're old, old now. Isaac was born in Abraham's 90s, if you remember. So he's 100 plus years old already. How am I going to be the father of a great nation? But he is faithful. The angel stays Abraham's hand, and of course they find that God does indeed provide. Here a ram caught in the thicket, and the ram is sacrificed. The church fathers, in reflecting, said that this is very symbolic and foreshadowing of Christ. After all, Christ took the wood of the cross upon his own shoulders, now not unknowing, but knowing exactly what the Father was asking, took that cross willingly, faithfully, was not near sacrifice, but was sacrificed, died a real death on the cross, and that as Abraham had some faith or knowledge that God could do it, God raised 
Christ up from the dead. And that is perfectly legitimate to say it that way. Romans tells us the Holy Spirit raised Christ from the dead, and and other parts tell us Christ raised from the dead. But any member of the Trinity, when one is working, all are working. So God raised Christ from the dead. And again, foreshadowing. And it's with that idea that they must have known something was happening, that uh, the church fathers reflect on why God, why Jesus Christ revealed himself on Mount Tabor. That God was preparing them, preparing the apostles for, for a deeper understanding of who Christ truly was, that he wasn't just a man, but that he was God-made man. And so they, there they are, Peter, James, and John, given, uh, taken up this high mountain apart from themselves. And he's transfigured, and, and all the evangelists that share the story struggle with words such that no, no fuller could bleach them. Dazzling white. Now we have uh, uh, easier time to make her clothes nice and white, but in the times of Jesus, of course, uh, bleach would, would have been the only thing, and even then it would have been dingy. But here he's bright. His light is shining forth from him, this, uh, the same light that was, he was to enjoy in his resurrection, that as the apostles looked upon him, they would have seen, in a way, a foreshadowing of the resurrection of Christ, even though they didn't understand what that meant. And we hear that at the, at the end. Don't tell anyone what you've seen until after I've risen from the dead. What does that mean? We have the privilege of being able to look back. They were looking ahead. They could not understand. And yet, something beautiful happens that all three have an experience of Christ as he truly is. And yet, it drove them to three very different actions. Uh, Right before Christ's death, of course, we know the story that Peter denied Jesus three times. In fact, one time, surely you're this man's followers, you too are a Galilean. She would have known by the way, the accent that uh, Peter spoke in, maybe his clothing, maybe his style of clothing. All the same, Peter says, I don't know what you're talking about. Peter didn't allow, at least at first, the transfiguration to affect him. James, we don't know exactly where he went, but he disappears from the scene. He comes back after the resurrection, and he's there in that upper room. But he didn't allow that transfiguration to influence his actions. But John must have. St. John stood at the foot of the cross with the Blessed Mother as Jesus died on that cross. He must have reasoned that somehow God was going to make all things right. And in fact, in his gospel and in his letters in the book of Revelation tells us God makes all things new through Christ's death and resurrection. He allowed that transfiguration to influence him, even though he didn't fully understand what it meant perhaps, but he lived out that awareness. And I think that's perhaps the point of the church in giving us this, that especially in the letter St. Peter writes, he tells us, after some years, he's able to share 
not only because now he understands what it means to rise from the dead, but he's reflected time and again what it may, means when he saw the when he saw the transfiguration, rather, when he experienced the risen Christ, foreshadowed. He tells tells us, we're not following cleverly devised myths. We were there, he says, on that holy mountain with that unique declaration. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. After years, he's reflected what it really means. That's what the church fathers are doing with Isaac and Abraham, the near sacrifice, what uh, they encourage us to do with all the scriptures, to really, really reflect what does this mean? But even more importantly, that like St. Peter, that we take a moment to reflect when we've had an encounter with Christ, what does it mean? How is it going to change our lives? Are we going to ignore it? Like James, perhaps? Are we going to deny it? Like Peter? Or are we going to stand or kneel in worship? Like John? This Lenten season is about encountering Christ. It's about experiencing him again. And I'm willing to bet that all of us have had at least one experience of Christ in our life, maybe not the youngest, the very youngest among us, but in some way, shape, or form, we've all had an experience, whether it was a moment of clarity where we understood Christ loves me, God loves me, or a particularly powerful encounter in the Blessed Sacrament, or maybe in the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Hopefully, for those that are married, you encountered Christ in the day of your marriage and given your vows to each other. Somewhere, somehow, we've all experienced Christ. And the question is, are we able to be like John, to really reflect what does this mean in the moment, and to allow that moment then to transform our lives? Christ gives us these moments of preparation to prepare us, to help us to understand that he is God and that he wants us to worship. He wants us to come to him. We might be like Peter and say, oh, Rabbi, it's good that we are here, but we know that these moments are fleeting. They are real, but they're fleeting. And yet, they can have profound influence on us for the rest of our lives. Like I said, St. Peter reflected many times he must have to be able to write to the audience that he was writing to. We too need to reflect how have we encountered Christ? How are we allowing it to give us courage, to give us strength, to spiritually nourish us? to help us stand at the foot of the cross during this Lenten season, that we can be well prepared because Christ has already prepared us through an encounter, that we can be well prepared to encounter him again, to stand with him at the foot of the cross and to worship with all the saints in his resurrection.